this place is kind of cool. And did you see how's a pool? We need to go. There's oh. Laura's there. There's someone else outside. What was that? Why are you doing this, please? I would have never left, I swear, I swear. Well, absolutely perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It is a pleasure to speak to you. How's your day going so far? Yeah, it's good, thank you. I've just been doing lots of interviews at the moment. People seem like really interested in Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, which is nice, so it's all very exciting. <laughs> Yeah, that is a fascinating um, experience. Has the exhilaration of being part of something so unique as Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey died down a little bit for you now? Or is it kind of just refreshed? No, it, it hasn't died down and I don't think it ever will. I think, like you say, it's such a unique thing to be a part of. I love that I'm now like a teeny tiny part in the Winnie the Pooh history. And I don't think that feeling's ever going to go away. And to be honest, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> Absolutely. I have to ask then, did you, could you have, or did you have any idea that it would be so successful? I had no idea, no idea whatsoever, because we filmed it on such a small budget. You know, we shot the whole film in eight days on a 20,000 pound budget. And don't get me wrong. I remember after we filmed, I rang my mum and I was like, this film feels different. And I was like, I feel like it has potential. But then again, when you do low budget films, you don't want to get your hopes up too much because some of them go straight to DVD, some are just streaming platforms. But I remember saying to my mum, this one feels different and I've got a really good feeling, but I don't want to jinx it. And then now we're playing in cinemas worldwide and the film's taken in over like $6.5 million in the box office, which is wild. But no, I never anticipated this in a million years, which I think is what's made it so much more exciting. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just so blessed, one, to have been a part of it, and two, that it's been received so well, because it's, yeah, it's so overwhelming, but it's kind of like a dream come true, you know? <laughs> Do you have an opinion on as to why it potentially has been so successful up to this point? Yeah, 100%. So I think it is 90% down to the fact that the characters went into the public domain. So I think if it was a character that had already been in the public domain and other films had been made, I don't think there would have been so much interest because it, for us, it's kind of like a novelty thing, you know? So Winnie the Pooh and all the characters from A. Milne's book came into the public domain in January, 2022. And we just happened to be the first people in the world to use the characters in a film. And that film happened to be a horror film, which had never been done before for these childhood characters. So I think the fact that it is so unique and the fact that these characters are just so blowing popular around the world, I think that's what really catapulted it to the, you know, kind of viral uh, levels of fame that it did. Um, so I'm very grateful that the characters came into public domain, otherwise it wouldn't have been possible. Well, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, of course, there's still certain elements, um, obviously, from a more mouse oriented perspective that you obviously have to completely avoid because of copyright and not being in the public domain anyway. Yeah, exactly. So like we were told with, um, with the Winnie the Pooh, they... So we had the copyright to the books, but not to the Disney version. So he wasn't allowed to have the red top. He wasn't allowed yeah. to wander around with no pants, which I think we were all grateful for seeing as how he was being played by like a six foot man. Um, <laughs> and he couldn't use his catchphrase of, oh bother. So there were things that we had to stay away from, but the fact that 
the Winnie the Pooh mask was to me identifiable kind of as the Disney version. Um, but I don't think Disney have commented on the film. I, I imagine some of the people who work at Disney have probably seen it. I would love to know what they think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's treading a nice fine line, not obviously, but still throwing tributes out there. Um, of course, you play Alice um, in the movie. Talk to me about getting that role. And did you have much input into the character yourself? Yeah, so when it came to being cast in the role, I'd worked with a production company on a previous horror film called Return of Krampus, uh, which we filmed about a month before Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. So the turnaround was super fast. Uh, so I saw the casting call online, read the synopsis, scrolled past it, thought that's not real. And then thought, hold on, <laughs> scrolled back, read it again. And I was like, oh, no, this is legit. OK, cool. And when I read it properly, I was like, this is such a cool idea like I grew up loving Winnie the Pooh and I'm obsessed with horror films and I thought this is a marriage of two things that I absolutely love but I never thought I'd be able to appreciate Winnie the Pooh in a horror film so I thought of course I have to apply um, and the role that I applied for is Alice and what attracted me to that role is the fact that she's in an LGBT relationship because I have a feeling that with my opinion personally with a lot of horror films especially low budget ones when there are queer characters, it kind of becomes their defining feature. And it feels very mm. inauthentic. And it to me, it feels like it's like pushed in the audience's faces. And it's like their defining characteristic, which isn't really how it is in real life. And when I read the script for Blood and Honey, it, it was so authentic. And Alice's queerness was just a part of who she was. And it, it wasn't like shoved in the audience's face. It wasn't even referenced that much in the script. There's literally a couple of scenes that kind of lean towards it. And I think like genuine representation on screen is so important. So that's what attracted me to the role most. Um, but yeah, it was a very, very quick process for me casting. So I applied for the casting call online. The producers had obviously just seen me act in Return of Krampus. So I didn't actually need to audition because they'd just been filming with me for a week, <laughs> um, which was nice. So they offered me the role. And then within a couple of weeks, we were filming. So super speedy turnaround. And how much of yourself did you get to put into the character? I mean, did you Sorry, follow the script per se or did you kind of get to, uh, well, not necessarily ad lib, but play it by your own means? Yep. So it was interesting because this is, so the director has done other films before, but in a way he felt, I remember him saying at one point that he felt like this was kind of his first. Um, and I like to have a really hands-on approach with my character and the scripts, because sometimes when you read a script, there's words which obviously you're not the character, but you need to make sure that the script sounds genuine and natural. And sometimes there's just certain words which wouldn't sound right coming out of my mouth, for example. Um, any film that I'm on, the first thing I always do is say to the director, look, how open are you to being collaborative here? Does it have to be word perfect? Or can I adjust it a little bit to what feels natural? Um, and Reese, the director, said, yeah, that's fine. So there was a fair amount where I kept the meaning um, of the dialogue the same, but I would just adjust it to either what suited me verbally or what I thought Alice would say. For example, if there were like certain catchphrases or certain words, I think she'd shy away from that kind of thing. So yeah, it was quite collaborative, which is nice. Did it feel different? Because you talk about working with the production company, and I know exactly who you're talking about. You talk about Jagged Edge Productions, seeing many of their movies, including the one you just referenced there, Return to Krampus. And um, did this feel different? Was it? Did it? Did it have? Was it a different experience? We got, you know, obviously a different script and a different story and a different style, but there is a notable similarity sometimes between Jagged Edge production style movies. 
So to be honest, I've worked on about seven films with them now, and they all kind of feel the same when you're filming. The only difference for this one was the fact that we were working with such a famous character. Um, but aside from that, I would say it was a very similar experience. You know, it's a very quick, intense shoot. We're working like 18 hour days sometimes, normally a lot of night shoots, exterior. So they do all end up feeling the same. Like I said, there was, for me, there was something a little bit different just in the fact that I felt like there was potential for the film and I was more excited because I was being chased around by a six foot Winnie the Pooh. But otherwise it was quite similar to the other ones. What was, do you remember, what was your first actual on-camera moment? What was the part that you were basically introduced to? Yeah, so I think the very first scene that we shot was actually cut from the film. <laughs> so <it's> a- <laughs> So I was waiting for it. It just never came. Um, it was just a really nice scene introducing um, the girl. So the story follows a group of university students who they just go to a cabin in the woods for a nice relaxing weekend away, but they don't realize that the woods are a hundred acre woods and that there's poo and piglet going on a murderous rampage. So it's not so relaxing after all. Mm. Uh, so the first scene that we shot was us going to the woods and we were in the car and it was basically just like an ad lib conversation of us all as friends. Um, just saying how excited we are to have a few days away. And it was really nice because it was the first time a lot of us had met each other. So Natasha Mills and I worked together on Krampus, which was lovely. Um, But all of the other actors, we were all new to each other. So it's like we were also forging that friendship in the car, which was really nice. Uh, So even though they didn't use it, I think it was really important for us as actors to have that scene to start gelling together and figure where we each work in the friendship group. Um, But I wish they'd kept it in. I thought it was a really nice scene. Yeah, I, I'd almost feel like that's disappointing. It's not that because, I mean, horror movies in general sometimes struggle with character development and allowing the yes. people that were supposed to get behind and what to survive potentially and so on and let them breathe and grow. Um, so missing that scene, I mean, it might have been quite helpful towards that overall. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be very careful with what I say, but... I really enjoyed the script for this film and yeah. a lot of scenes were cut. And when I saw the film, I was uh, shocked in a way because a lot of the scenes which developed the characters were cut out. So for me, when I watched the film, there wasn't that much character development. Uh, there wasn't the script and we filmed it, but for, I'm, I'm not sure why, but like I said, a lot of scenes were cut. For example, uh, my character, Alice and her girlfriend, Zoe, if you miss the one scene where they are in the bedroom with the rose petals, and even that was shortened, you wouldn't really know that they're together. And then they're by the swimming pool saying, I love you. And one of the screenings I was in, people were like, wait, why are they saying I love you? Are they sisters or are they lovers? Like, what's the scenario? And the thing is, we filmed this quite long scene uh, where they're both in the bathroom, just getting ready. They've arrived at the house, doing the makeup, and they're just having a heart to heart. And it really shows their relationship. It shows who they are. And it was like my favorite scene in pretty much the whole film because it really developed the characters. Mm. Um, But obviously it's just the nature of the beast with filmmaking that a lot of scenes are cut. But for some reason, a lot of the development scenes were cut. And that is some of the feedback that I've seen so commonly in reviews. And I have to agree with it. A lot of the development isn't there. Um, But at the end of the day, like I said, you know, it was in the script and that's what attracted me to it. And I still think it's a great film. I've seen it six times now. I still really enjoy it. But I do think the developments for the characters is not as strong as I would have expected it to be from reading the script, if that makes sense. No, I I do appreciate your honesty there, but it kind of does work in in two different interesting ways, as you say, while it does lack perhaps um, the nuances and the detail of uh, regard, particularly the relationship uh, between your character. Um, but then also, as you said previously, then it's not jammed in our faces. It's not like this is the defining characteristic. And if you notice it, cool, but it's not an important plot point and development. It needs to be shoved in the audience's faces. So it's good for that, I guess. 
Yeah, see, this is the one thing I felt like it actually made that more authentic. So that was the, that kind of made me happy. And I was like, okay, I can deal with this now. But originally, I was like, why did they take that scene? It was so mm. beautiful, and so emotional. But then no, you're completely right. And the more I watched it, I was like, okay, it does actually make it more natural in a sense. So I'm guessing that's why they removed it. I'm not too sure. Um, but at the end of the day, they've done that many films now. I was like, I trust them they're better editors than i am i know they did it for a reason <laughs> yeah and the return the current box office return uh, says they've uh, they've done a perfect fine job oh my god honestly i think we're all still blown away when i saw the number i thought someone had added in a few extra zeros <laughs> because in the, <laughs> the first week in mexico i think it took in a million in a week and i was like oh it's probably taken in like a thousand pounds and someone's just like put on like a few zeros by accident and i like triple checked it on a few different websites and i was like no no that's that's a million with an m a million i was like oh that's yeah. cool <laughs> it's amazing um it's the modern word of mouth uh the obviously buzz exactly. on social media that spread around it um you know i that's how I heard about it. Although I follow Jagged Edge Productions and try and watch their movies as they come out, they can often come out in such quick fashion that I can't quite keep up. And the social media goes, oh, look at this poster. This is happening. And then it just spreads. And it's incredible that that still exists, but in this modern format. Yeah, exactly. And I think I've seen it before where films have started to go a little bit viral because of posters, like, for example, The Mean One, which, again, was taking the classic character of The Grinch, turning it into a horror film. Um, but I feel like aside from the mean one, I've not really seen that happen over the last few mm. years. And I feel like that kind of the mean one kind of paved the way for us. And then with Blood and Honey, like I've never really I think in my lifetime, I've seen haven't seen a film go this viral online. But I'm hoping it happens more and more because the fact that like you're saying, you know, the, the box office returns been so great on such a small budget. Like it makes me really excited because I work a lot on like low budget dependent films. So I'm hoping that this will pave the way for more in the future to get like a proper theatrical release and people watching it are having fun and they're enjoying it. So hopefully investors and bigger production companies will realize like, oh, OK, maybe we don't need a huge budget. You know, let's invest more in independent films. So fingers crossed <laughs> yeah you i think you've nailed it there it's the budget side of things more than anything else and uh, a low budget movie can go viral but it never lasts this long it's a couple of days at most and disappears but we are talking weeks if not months of talk and you know the follow-up and the reviews yeah. and theaters and so on um for you then what has been what was the most challenging aspect or experience of the film you talk about night shoots and stuff like that and i imagine the, that would have been quite uh exhausting it was very tiring but at the end of the day like I love what I do I enjoy every second and this is why I'm an actor because I have fun doing it um a lot of the films that I've worked on are horrors and I would say horror shoots especially the independent ones they are incredibly challenging because I like I've had shoots before where I've worked 20 hour days and we're talking like every day for 10 days 20 hours like you have to get by on one hour sleep but a lot of the time that's actually really helpful because your characters are so stressed and they're sleep deprived so then you're sleep deprived mm. and it you're not really acting after all, but it is difficult to maintain. Um, but I would say for me, I think the most challenging aspect wasn't the actual shooting experience. It was certain scenes to film. Uh, so in the trailer, we see that Alice's girlfriend is killed in the pool um, by Piglet with a sledgehammer. And there's a scene where I'm, I've kind of been taken off by Pooh after that. And I'm tied up and I come around and once I awaken and I gain consciousness, I realize that my girlfriend's dead. And it was a, like a really emotional scene. And like all the actors on set were using tear sticks and I'd never used a tear stick before. So I just used like emotional recall. And I think by this point I was, I'd been tied up for about eight hours and I was outside at night in a crop top and jeans. So I was freezing, I was tired and the tears just came. 
the tears just came and I watched it back and I was like, yeah, I think that's because I was so exhausted and so cold. I was like, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> but no, I do quite like using emotional recalls. I think you can see a difference sometimes. I've seen it so many times on screen where people are crying. You can see there's not really anything going on behind the eyes. And I think that's mm -hmm. a shame. Um, so yeah, I'd say for me, that was as an actor, like the most challenging scene just because of the physical circumstances, but also anytime you have to cry and, you know, go through the loss of a loved one in a film, like I just imagine what that would be like in real life. And then it, yeah. it just, it makes me tear up. <laughs> and challenging, but the payoff, as you said on screen, um, makes it all, well worthwhile, I guess, to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise, then, what was something that really stood out for you as being particularly memorable about this shoot more than any other film you'd done? So am I allowed to say spoilers? Because I imagine a lot oh, of people have seen the film now. I will be, we'll right, be coming okay, to a question in a bit about, so we're going to be doing spoilers. Amazing. I always have to ask because the other day I, I said something and then the interviewer was like, yes, this is a no spoiler interview. We'll be cutting ah. this out. Perfect. So... I think the part that stood out for me is, let me put it this way, I never thought that I would be killing one of my childhood heroes. <laughs> so there is a scene where Alice gets her revenge on Philip, and I love that Alice is the only human character to successfully get revenge on either Pooh or Piglet, and she does end up killing Piglet. Obviously, then Pooh hears Piglet's cries and then comes and kills Alice, but, you know, she, she went down fighting and she took Piglet with her, and that was just a really cool scene to film. One, because I love anything that involves combat or stunts and you know we did the choreography for a while myself and chris who played piglet because it was like a genuine sledgehammer and it was really heavy and we mm. were in such close proximity so i was like no we need to rehearse this properly to make sure we have the spacing and everything right because i don't want to accidentally catch you um so it, it was really fun from that perspective and like i said just the fact that i was kind of face to face having a bit of a standoff with such an iconic character like i never really thought i'd have the opportunity to do that as an actor so that was really exciting and it's probably one of my favorite scenes that i've ever filmed and it's something i'll never forget that entire sequence that you you've described there starting with being tied up leading the piglet's death and of course what happens to you following that is uh thrilling it's a thrilling section of the movie you do <laughs> and this is why I, I i said spoilers are fine get a fantastic death in this movie so talk Thank to me you. about the experience of getting stabbed in the mouth Yes, yeah, so every time I watch it, it is so uncomfortable because all of the other deaths you CGI, but mine was all practical <laughs> and that was uncomfortable. <laughs> so obviously there was some movie trickery because like my head's only this big and the knife was like this big. So basically it was jammed into my mouth to a certain extent and then there was some camera trickery and then I just had to stand there for a while with this massive knife sticking out of my mouth, which was physically rather uncomfortable, but I knew it would look cool. And like I said, every time I watch the film, that is the death that gets me the most just because it takes me back to standing by this tree at like 3am in the morning, dripping with fake blood with this huge knife stuck out of my mouth. And um, the reactions that people have sent me from cinemas, one to me killing Piglet and two to my death, is hilarious because everyone's just like, oh, 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 it's still going. Oh, no. <laughs> and like my parents went to the UK premiere in Glasgow and I forgot to warn them. <laughs> they oh. knew I, died. I know they didn't know how I died. And then as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, my God, mom, I'm so sorry. And she was like, I was nearly crying. She was like, oh, I was looking at the screen like my poor baby. <laughs> she said it really hit her in the feels. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, that's incredible. I can't imagine. Um what it'd be like, I've, I've never experienced anything to watch back your, your, it's a character, of course, but your own death on screen. And of course, you're no stranger yeah. to horror and stuff like that. So um, is where does this one rank amongst your deaths? 
Oh, this was my favorite death by far because Pooh killed me. Normally it's just like some anonymous serial killer or a psychopath or just someone who's having a bad day. But this time it was Winnie the Pooh. So this is definitely my favorite. <laughs> yeah, you will never be, able, that will always be on your CV, that experience, exactly. that moment. Killed by Pooh, tick. <laughs> incredible, incredible. Um, they say there's no such thing as bad press. Now, obviously, the reviews of the movies are varied. There are people that absolutely love it. There are people that absolutely hate it. Do you personally pay much attention to reviews? And how do you handle uh, negativity around that? Yeah, so I actually really enjoy reading reviews. Like, when I give an acting performance, I, I'm i quite strange. I don't really want people to tell me that I'm good. I want people to tell me... Like, I like constructive criticism because I feel like as an actor, that's the only way that you can grow. So even when like I show my parents a film, I'm like, okay, I don't care if you think it's good. I don't care if you think it's bad. I just want to know how can I improve? Mm. And they always give me tips and I do the same thing with my friends and it's great. And at the end of the day, film is subjective. Like there's been so many films which have like won Oscars, but I haven't liked them or I've absolutely loved them. And then they've been critically panned. So I think from a very early age, I realized that not everyone has the same opinion. And every film I've ever done, there's always been varied reviews because people are allowed to have their own opinions. And I totally respect that. So I personally enjoy reading the reviews because I like to see what other people think. And for example, like with this one, a lot of people share my consensus that there wasn't that much development, but people love the gore and the blood um, and the fact, like I was saying, you know, that my character's um, a queer character as well. So it's it's interesting to see like what I agree with and what I don't agree with. But at the end of the day, like the acting industry there's a lot of rejections anyway. Like it's probably like 90% no's and 10% yeses when it comes to casting. So mm. I personally have very thick skin. I think you have to have thick skin to be in the industry. So to me, like reading reviews is nothing in comparison to getting a no for a role. So I know I seen like, I think the directors are someone they kind of spoke back to some reviewers on Twitter, which to be honest, I didn't agree with because I do think that everyone is entitled to their opinion. Um, and at the end of the day, like I've watched negative reviews, I've watched positive reviews, and I respect them all equally. And I will continue watching them just because, like I said, you know, I think it's good to see what people liked and what they didn't like. And then I can kind of take that for my next role and think, okay, so even though no one's really mentioned me in the reviews, it's more been like the story itself. The general, but, yeah. General, yeah. But still, I'm like, okay, this is good. So maybe people weren't keen on the script. Maybe in my next role, I can try and even be more collaborative to make the script sound more realistic, you know, so I can I can take something from it um, and kind of turn that negative into a positive, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. It does. And, you know, you're absolutely right. Subject, uh, everything is subjective. But in horror, more than anything else, it feels, it feels more than any other movie genre to be incredibly subjective as to what people can enjoy um you know different terminology that people might use to watch a movie can you enchain your brain to this is this a deep thinking movie and so on and so forth but ultimately it comes out of this most important thing people are talking people are watching and that is very much the case here that's the thing and like i've seen some other actors as well from the film they've complained about the negative publicity and i'm saying at the end of the day we should be thanking the people who have you know said negative things we need to thank the the haters per se because if it wasn't for them, we probably wouldn't have had the success that we had. And at the end of the day, I am a firm believer in any publicity is good publicity. And at mm -hmm. the end of the day, if someone's commenting, whether it's a negative comment or a positive comment, it's still a comment and it's still a click, you know, and the algorithm doesn't know, like on Instagram, for example, it doesn't know if it's a good or a bad comment. It just knows, oh, people are interested in the film. So personally, like I met someone at a screening recently and they said, oh, um, before it came out, they were like, I'm not going to lie. I was a keyboard warrior and I was hating on it online. But now I've seen it and I really enjoyed it. And I said, well, thank you for hating on it because you're probably part responsible for it being in cinemas. And they were like, oh, everyone else got annoyed at me. And I was like, no, I'm grateful. Thank you. I'll give you a hug. And they were so shocked. 
I completely understand it. Is you know, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I haven't always been incredibly positive about some of the work that comes from Jagged Edge Productions uh, yeah. in the past as well. But I've always wanted to talk about it. And I always want to keep watching and check out the next one and see what this experience is like and so on. And it was very much going into Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, seeing um, the involvement and thinking, okay, I feel like I might know what I'm in for. But let's see if I'm going to be surprised. And it's the joy and the excitement of finding, hey, you know, even if you don't necessarily enjoy every aspect of the movie, this sequence, this scene, this actor, this um, piece of dialogue excites and intrigues. That's the thing. Like, I heard someone say this and I thought, this is kind of funny. It was one of the reviews and they were like, this is categorically a bad film. But did I enjoy it? Yes. Will I watch it again? Yes. And I was like, you know what? If people are enjoying it, that's all we want. If you're going to watch it again and again, I don't care if you think it's a good film. It's obviously good enough for you to want to watch it again. So to me, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And a lot of major draw for me personally is often the cast. Um, you are particularly are popping up in more and more horror movies that we have watched and written about in most really? recent times. Yeah, I have seen you in. Uh, I've seen you in Return of Krampus, but I've also seen you in Demons at Dawn, Easter Bunny Massacre, Summoning Bloody Mary 2. You're becoming one of our... Uh, stars of our website. So I have to ask you, considering all of that, for you, what is the appeal of being in horror movies? So I've loved horror films since I was a child and I've known that I wanted to be an actor from a very, very young age. You know, I used to do plays, musicals, pantomimes at school. I used to put on like little talent shows for my parents where I do monologues from films. It's all very embarrassing and very cringy, but I've had the passion for acting from a young age. So I've always known I wanted to be in films. And to me, it was a natural progression to start out in horror because it's my favorite genre to watch. And mm -hmm. when I watch a horror film, I think the reason horror is my favorite genre is because the what I feel is so strong. So if I watch a rom-com, I say a historical drama, I might feel something, but with horror, like I'm an adrenaline junkie and I love that adrenaline rush. I love when you get the goosebumps and you're on the edge of your seat and you don't know what's going to happen and it's terrifying. And I remember thinking at one point, I must have been maybe 16 or 17, and I thought, oh, if I feel this from watching it, imagine what it would be like actually acting in it. And then I thought that would be so cool, like making other people feel the way that I feel by being in one of these horror films. And um, the first feature film that I ever did was a horror film called The Seven, and it's still one of my favorite filming experiences to date. And I definitely caught the horror bug after that. I was like, yep, this is the right genre for me. I love it. And don't get me wrong, I've done like comedies and actions and all sorts of yeah. other bits. And I will always, I'm passionate about every genre, to be honest, and I do enjoy watching films across the board. So I will always try to spread myself over lots of different things, but I definitely have a deep rooted love for horror. Um, and I've got a lot more horrors coming up. I've done about 25 British horror feature films before. <laughs> so God, in 10 years time, there's probably gonna be like a hundred, but I'm, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> That's, yeah, that is fantastic. You're absolutely right. I was looking last night at the post-production credit list that you have upcoming yeah, and there's some, there's some stunning stuff there. What do you make of, I mean, has this entered your mind, uh, the term that's uh, Scream Queen? Um, are you quite tempted by the possibility of becoming a modern one, a British modern one as well? I am totally fine with this. I have heard the term thrown around so much and I always think it's really cool because I feel like in a lot of films, men are kind of given the power and what i like about horror films especially the low budget ones there's always like a final girl and mm -hmm. they're kind of defined as being the screen queen and i think that's so great that there's like in so many films there's like a really strong female character or like in blood and honey for example it's pretty much a predominantly female cast which yeah. i love 
And to me, it's like a really strong thing. And I'm a feminist, you know, I believe in equality. And I've seen so many action films where it's always the guys kicking ass. So in horror films, it's nice to see the roles are turned and it's women. Um, so I love the term screen queen. And I've seen a few articles refer to me as a screen queen. And every time I get really excited and I'm like, oh, I might have earned this status finally. <laughs> so no, it makes me it makes me very honored uh, to be in the same category as other famous screen queens. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is like my inspiration, like playing Laurie Strode in Halloween. She was amazing. Started out in horror and she just won an Oscar. So I'm like, there's hope for me yet. <laughs> yeah, what an incredible moment that is. Um, you're absolutely right. And uh, I guess uh, I'm sure you agree with here at Praise uh, Jagged Productions, for example, uh, for diversity and for, um, you know, thinking forward and changing the nature of horror when it comes to casting? So, yeah, so I've seen, there's a lot of independent films which do and don't have diversity. Like I said, with this one, it's really nice. Um, and I've noticed a lot of the Jagged Edge films, they do have quite heavy female casts, mm -hmm. um, which I really appreciate because normally the crew is very male dominated. So I think it's nice that they're balancing it with a pretty much female cast. Um, and there's always like, like with this film, there was a really nice female energy on set, um, which I hadn't really experienced before. So that was nice. Um, but like I was saying earlier, you know, I think representation in every sense of the word is so important. And I think it's our responsibility as actors, directors, producers to make sure that these projects exist and that we're taking them on, you know, whether it's representation of LGBTQ plus people or, you know, gender equality, um, mm. race, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, it's always nice to see that in films. And again, that's why I was drawn to the character of Alice so much. So that that made me really happy. And I was honored to be able to give him the opportunity to play that character. Incredible. Well said. Well said. Um, you mentioned, and I don't want to touch upon this because while we are talking about your horror career specifically, and of course, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, you did touch upon it. You have fingers in so many pies to use that terminology it's incredible the amount of um the things you, yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm to the point why i generally wonder how you have the time get that balance i mean that balance of not just doing horror movies but you work in comedy you work in all these other areas and aspects you've done to this point how on earth do you balance this uh, I don't sleep much and I drink a lot of caffeine. So I constantly have uh, about three cans of this on the go <laughs> to keep me going. <laughs> um, so I, I think, to be honest, it's probably because I have ADHD, which I think is a superpower. So my mind is always on the go. It never stops. And I don't like sitting doing nothing. Like if I had a day where I didn't email and I didn't write and I just sat and watched TV, I don't think I could do it because I'd be twitching, I'd be fidgeting and I'd be like, I need to work. Uh, so for me, I just enjoy being busy. And like you said, you know, there's so many different areas that I'm passionate about and there's so many different things that I want to do. I mean, it's just like I'm driven by a motor, you know, and I'm constantly on the go and I just always want to do the next thing. So if it's not acting, it'll be comedy. If it's not that, it's presenting. If it's not that, it's celebrity interviews or writing or producing. I just think there's so much more to do and there's so much more that I want to achieve. So I'm not done yet. I'll keep going until I can tick everything off my bucket list. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Um, the thought of interviewing you actually was very daunting uh, for me. Normally, I am predominantly oh, no. uh, uh, an interviewer for rock and heavy metal bands. Don't get to do much in the way of ah. horror. So, but, but it was daunting purely based on the fact of what you've done in the world of hosting an interview, which, of course, uh, you are a giant in. It is an incredible list. And I wanted to ask you then, just off the cuff, what advice, piece of advice, would you give to someone who hopes to one day reach your level? When it comes to acting or doing interviewing. interviews? Interviewing. Interviewing, yeah. So that is, aside from acting, that is definitely my favorite thing that I do. It's something I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do. Mm. Um, and it kind of came about from, I was writing and producing comedy sketches online, grew an online following, 
obviously I'm like super passionate about films. And then the first interview came along. Um, and I think for me, I'm very, very fortunate. It was obviously a right place at the right time. I kind of fell into it. So I don't have advice per se of how people can get into it. But I think if you're passionate about film, just showing that as much as you can, you know, go to the cinema, maybe film reviews online. Like I've posted so many reviews on my YouTube channel. Like every time a Marvel film comes out, I'll analyze all of the post-credit scenes. I'll analyze the film, I'll analyze the smallest little detail. Um, and I think that's how I got my first interview because people were like, oh, okay, she's like obsessed with film. Cool, so she'll probably like to talk to actors. And obviously, I think if you're an actor as well, or you're in the film industry or for yourself, you know, if you're in the music industry, that always helps when you're interviewing people in a, a similar field. Um, but I'd say it's the same for anything in the creative industry, whether it's acting or presenting or celebrity interviews, just be persistent. You know, if it's something that you want to do, just keep going, try and get as much experience as you can. Like when you're starting out, you're probably going to have to interview smaller names to get that experience. And you know so people can recognize your name as an interviewer and then as time goes on you'll get to interview bigger and bigger and bigger names um and it's just like playing the long game i guess but you know you'll get there eventually this is what i always think whenever someone says that i'm like yes it's just a matter of uh when not if <laughs> as you said yourself you started in acting specifically in um even lower budget movies that effectively get forgotten about to time unless they get discovered uh randomly and then you reach this stage with we need to put blood and honey and suddenly you're starring in a movie that's making millions uh, so it's quite it's it's all about progression exactly <laughs> it's been a so journey so finally amber then last question are you disappointed that alice was killed off in the movie meaning she technically can't come back for the now confirmed sequel but this is horror so there's always a way and if you could bring her back how would you so i hadn't even considered her coming back to be honest i thought her story had kind of come to a close like i would have loved to develop her relationship more with zoe but i feel mm. like alice without zoe is like bonnie without clyde you know i was like oh she's kind of lost without her um so i'm comfortable with the fact that she's died and i feel like like i said you know she went down fighting um so i hadn't actually thought someone asked me this recently and i was like oh i don't know how i'd bring her back but conveniently at a screening someone came up to me and they were like right I've seen the film twice. I've thought this through and I know how we're going to bring you back. And it was hilarious. <laughs> so they had this concept, which I actually love. And they were like, just turn it into a supernatural film. So Alice comes back from beyond the grave to haunt Pooh. And then, you know, in the first film, how there's a moment where Pooh's having a bit of a existential crisis and he's looking in the mirror, regretting his life choices and smashing everything up. Mm. Uh, this gentleman was like, well, you just have that moment again at the start of the film and Pooh looks in the mirror and he sees you behind him and that's where it all begins. And then it's just you tormenting him. And to be fair, I'd watch that film. <laughs> It'd be weird, <laughs> but I'd watch it. I think that's the only way Alice can come back. I think having like a, a massive, nice rammed through the back of your head, there's probably no coming back from that in the living world. <laughs> but it's horror and anything is possible. Um, it is true. <laughs> Maybe I could be a zombie. <laughs> yeah, or even a possibility that you did somehow survive that, but you became um, uh, evil yourself from that and effectively put on a mask and become a character and in a sequel, join Pooh right. killing people. You know what? I actually love the idea even more. I should pitch that and be like, hey guys, Carl's had this fantastic idea. <laughs> I'm going to be the villain now. <laughs> I love playing the villain, so I would totally be down for that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, for sure. I can't wait to see uh, some of the movies that are coming out in the near future. But for now, we need a poo, we need a poo, blood and honey. It's out now. You can watch it pretty much in theatres as well on streaming. But chances are, based off the box office, you already have seen it. Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Honestly, it was so lovely talking to you. That was such an enjoyable interview. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. 
If you really liked what you saw, consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our big cartel store. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL. Games, horror, and heavy metal. What else is life for? <laughs>